guys. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, like, I like Jesus. I just don't want to be like him. Like, Jesus is nice, but are you sure I have to do all that crazy stuff, like laying down my life and being a servant? Do you feel like, so I'm a Christian. Now what do I have to do? Now what? I think there's an answer, um, and we're going to see that tonight in Ephesians 4, and I'm really excited about it. And I think the answer, in part, is that Christians are people who have been born again. And so we need to grow up. Check out verse 13 of the passage that we read before. Um, It says that the reason God puts talented people in the church is to help the whole group of Christians, um, which they call the body, to reach mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, And that's a heaps long string of words that basically means grow up. So mature manhood. So Paul, the guy who wrote this letter, is saying the same thing twice. So mature means to grow up. Manhood means to grow up. So grow up, grow up. Like that is how important it is. He says it twice to emphasise it. But then Paul goes on to say what we're growing up like. Um, So see verse 13 again. It says the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So who are we growing up to be like? Jesus Christ. And how much like him are we supposed to be? The whole measure of his fullness. We want to be entirely like all of him. Not just the bits that are convenient. So not just the nice, everybody thinks I'm awesome bits and ignore the, I actually have to suffer for people bits. Verse 13 says that all of me should become like all of him. And what's especially cool about this passage is who's doing this. So look at at the start of verse 13. It says, until we all grow up. Until we all grow up. Paul isn't talking to the Ephesians, the people he wrote this letter to, and being like you. Like you one individual, you by yourself, grow up to be like Christ. It's a we, it's all of us. As a group of Christians, together, the body grows up. And so then if you skip down to verse 16, it's because we grow up when each part of the body is working together. We help one another by showing each other what it looks like to grow up in a specific way. um, And we learn from others who are growing in ways that we weren't. And so this term um, at youth, or the last few weeks, um, we've been looking at the purpose of life. Like, why are we on the planet? And so two weeks ago, um, Jono spoke to us about magnification, um, which is a heaps weird word. Um, but when you magnify something, you either make it look bigger than it is, so like when you get a magnifying glass and look at an ant, or if it's really big, you just make it look the size it actually is. So if you're looking at the moon with a telescope. And so Jono showed us that we're on the planet for God's glory. We're on the planet to make God look as big as he actually is. And so then last week, we heard about membership, um, which is that Jesus died to create a people. And so the church matters for us, for others, and for God's glory. And then this week, we're looking at maturity, um, which is essentially growing up to be like Jesus. And so how do we grow up? Um, I reckon you can see it in the passage. Check out verse 11. Um, Basically, it says that God enables people to pass on what they know to us. 
And so for us, I think that means that we need to be making sure that we're following people given to us by God to help us grow up. And I think this is a huge part of the reason why things like youth group and church exist. We love Jesus, and so we want to see you love Jesus. And then once you love Jesus, to grow up to be like him. And so if this is your church, if youth group is your church, make sure that you're here so that you can keep on growing. Come and actually listen to the talks. Go to G-Team. Share your life honestly with your leaders and with your friends um, so that you can keep helping each other to grow up. But I reckon as well, keep learning from as many people as you possibly can. Like, as long as they're legit and teaching good things from the Bible. So read books. Reading books is probably not the coolest thing you could be doing, but (laughs) it's important. It's heaps valuable. Learn from people who God has given us um, so that we can grow. So read your Bible first, but then go find those books that you bought at the bunker on fat and actually go and read them and figure out what they're about. Um, Or if listening is more your thing, go and find some awesome sermons by pastors all over the world. Um, So a friend of mine put together a list of 66 sermons. Um, So I'm going to put a link on the Facebook page. So check it out. Have a listen to some of them. Some of them are hard, but they will all help you to grow. Um, So we do all of this because we want to grow up. And a grown-up Christian who is, is one who will stand up under lies. So verse 14, the reason that we grow is so that we're not infants um, tossed to and fro by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, um, by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. We're called to no longer be infants. So move on from being young and grow up. It's normal to start there, um, but it's kind of weird and unnatural um, if you never become an adult. No one wants to be a kid their whole life. Like being an adult is actually just better. You understand more, you can do more stuff, and you're better at everything that you do. And as a Christian, growing up means that you stand up against lies. And that's essentially what verse 14 is saying there. Grow up so that you can stand up when people attack the truth. And so that's the doctrine bit in that verse. Um, So doctrine is just the truth about God. Um, But the people um, who cause lies often do it really cleverly and so make this lie seem really attractive. Um, And that's where it says there, the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemes. So verse 14 says that if you don't grow up, it's as though you're this tiny dinghy on huge waves. Like you're tossed to and fro and the waves pull at you and you can't do anything but hold on. You don't have any control because you have no anchor. Or it's like you're a feather in the wind. So it's this feather and it's just floating and all you need is a tiny puff of air and you're heaps far away from where you started. And then the wind comes in another direction and so you go with that too and you get blown up and down and all around because you have no anchor. You can't stand up. Like, guys, do you really want to be like that? Like, you know people who are. You know people who just go with the crowd with whatever's happening. Do you actually want to be like that? Unless you have an anchor that is solid and immovable, 
you'll get thrown off course so quickly that you don't know what happened. Paul is telling us to not be infants, but to stand up under lies. Stand up, And to stand up, you need to know the truth. And so the truth is Jesus. He is God as man. He came to earth because um, although God created us and so deserves our obedience, we reject him. We do life our own way, um, in the way that we think will make us the happiest. Because that's what life's all about, right? We ought to die. Because if you say no to the rule of the universe, that's what you get. But Jesus came and died so that whoever believes in him won't die, but have eternal life. So Jesus was the guy who lived and breathed in history. He was real. Um, but we weren't there. And so now we find truth in the Bible. Um, so the gospel, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're kind of in the middle of your Bible. Um, they're the record of Jesus' life. But the whole Bible is God speaking to us. So if you know that truth, and if you believe it, you need to stand up. Stand up for the truth by living it and by defending it. So Romans 1.16, write it down, check it up later. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Can you say that? And if you say that, do you actually mean it? Do you live in a way that shows that? So one day um, at Columbine High School, which is in America, in 1999, two guys walked into this school with guns. There was a girl that went to school there, and her name was Rachel Scott. She was a Christian. And she was eating lunch in front of the school on the lawns with a friend. And apparently, these two guys walked up to her with their guns. And they asked her, do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? She said yes. And she got shot. She died. It's a pretty extreme scenario. And I doubt that you're going to be asked to stand up for Jesus and die. But you should be prepared to. But there are moments every week in which you need to stand up, even if you don't die for it. You stand up by not drinking at a party. As you don't drink, you're reminding people that God is the ruler, that God cares what you're doing, and that he's changed you so that you live differently. You stand up by saying that there's only one way to God. When your friends are all saying that, religions really lead the same place anyway. So, like, why does it matter? Like, I could be a Buddhist or I could be a Christian. And, like, there's just one God and he doesn't really care. Don't be a jerk, but don't agree with them. They, as you disagree with them, gently, you're standing up for the truth that there is only one God. And you stand up, I reckon, by not turning your back on God when hard stuff happens. Life hurts. People hurt you and they bully you and somebody you love might die and your parents might split up and you might get ignored by your friends. So many bad things can happen. You stand up for the truth by clinging to Jesus and by not giving up. 
you remind yourself every day that he loves you and he's good. And so you don't turn your back on him. As you love the truth enough to stand up, speak up. Speak up with the truth about Jesus to everybody because you love them. So look at the passage again. Uh, Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says that as we stand up against lies, we instead speak the truth in love, which, verse 16, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the truth here, I don't think, is speaking, not speaking generally, saying that you should be honest. Like, that's true. But the, this whole passage is on about the truth of who Jesus is. So verse 12 talks about the people who help us to grow in the truth. Verse 13 says that one of their aims is to build our knowledge of God. Um, And verse 14 talks about how important um, teaching is, which is just the truth about God. So we're to speak the truth of who Jesus is. And we're to speak it in love. So speaking it in love, I think, just means actually caring about the person that you're speaking it to. Um, there's a sick verse, 1 Corinthians 8.1. It says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So if you've just got the head stuff, like you've got the knowledge, like you know about God, like you probably know the Bible back to France, but you don't actually care about people, like you don't care about the person that you're talking to, you're just going to become super arrogant and super self-absorbed in the way that you say stuff. And so it won't help anyone to grow. Because check out the epic circle that happens in this passage. It's saying, you speak the truth in love, which makes the body grow, which means that the body speaks the truth in love to the rest of the body, which means that the body grows again, and it just keeps on happening, which is sick. So as you speak the truth in love, the body continues to grow more and more. If you speak up, you and other people will grow and continue to grow so that you continue to speak the truth in love. So who do we speak to? This whole passage is about building up the body. So we should definitely speak to our Christian friends. Um, So as you speak to your Christian friends, I think what you want to be doing is helping them to mature, um, which is, as we've seen, helping them to grow up and helping them to stand up. So I reckon as you do that, two big things. You need to encourage them. So remind each other of who Jesus is what he's done, and what that means for our lives now. And secondly, I reckon you challenge them. Lovingly confront one another about sin, about the ways that you reject God. So help one another by lovingly um, exposing your weaknesses and then running to Jesus and then changing with each other's help. But if you check back in verse 11 as well, there's the word evangelists in there. Evangelists are listed as one of the groups of people who build up the body. And they do, not so much like we were just talking about, by causing people who love Jesus to be more like him, but they literally build the body, telling people about Jesus so that they come and join this huge and crazy and incredible group of people who call Jesus Lord by trusting that he is their saviour and their king. And so for us, I think we need to talk to your friends because 
if you love something, don't you talk about it? Like, I watched that sick game on the weekend and it was just awesome. And so I talked to all my friends about it. Or I went for this, I went for a surf and, like, the surf was just perfect and there were these huge waves and I had the best time ever. Or it's like, yeah, my boyfriend is amazing and I just talk about him all the time because he's so good and I just want to spend all my time talking about him because, you know, he does so many nice things for me. I mean, it's like I went this epic place on holidays. Like I went to Thailand and the beaches were beautiful and I just sat in the sun all day. And you know what? You should really go there. Like make speaking about Jesus as natural as you do speaking about anything else. Talk about Jesus because you love him, because you love being a Christian, and because you love growing in that. If you love it, you want your friends to have it too. And so I reckon um, a heaps helpful way to make sure that you're doing that um, is to make a goal. Um, so um, like a year ago, um, I was challenged by Hazy on a camp that we go on to make a goal of praying um, for one gospel conversation a week. I think that was the goal. That's what I'm praying for. Um, and so make that a goal. Like, will you pray with me that each week you'll have one conversation with a friend about Jesus? Which is not a crazy goal, hey. Like, most of my time and most of your time is spent with people that you could have that conversation with. Like, you're at school and you go to sport. We pray because prayer changes things and because God is the one who saves people. Pray that you have one conversation a week about Jesus. So Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, says, be more like Christ. Because if you stop, you'll just start slipping backwards. Don't let that be you. Because you should want to grow. Jesus saved you so that you can grow. You need to grow up. You need to stand up. And you need to speak up. Um, I'm going to pray for us. And then we're done. Lord God, thank you so much that you are king over all things. God, that you are the creator of the world, that you sustain the world, that you are the only reason that uh, we exist. And God, thank you so much that you are also the savior of the world. God, thank you so much um, that you chose um, to give us new life, that you took our sin away um, so that we can know you and love you. Um, God, thank you so much um, that knowing and loving you isn't about just staying this one spot and still being infants. God, thank you that it is about growing up and being more like Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to grow up once we're born again. God, I pray that you would help us to stand up under lies. And God, I pray that you would help us to speak up and to speak the truth in love.